Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. Hey, it's really good to be back with you here on the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, if we've never met before. And I'm so excited to be back. I took a break for quite a while. And there were some things that were brewing, though, before the break that I want to let you in on that have resulted in now this new look and feel that we have for the show. Um, We've switched things up a little bit. The format now, instead of being a guest formatted show, is going to be you and me. And we're going to be talking about more in depth the things that you and me are just going through as single moms. And to give you a little insight, though, onto some of the things that were brewing, (laughs) I sense this change coming for about a year. And so I started the podcast up the season at the beginning of 22, knowing that I thought God was inviting me to start to host the show just on my own. And there were some confirmations and things that came in that period of time. And I wasn't really sure, though, how was I actually going to do this? And at that point, I had a lot of guests that were lined up. And so I was just like, I'm just going to keep doing this thing the way that I know how. And God will show me what I'm supposed to do. And so I went through the early part of last year, just plugging away as I always had. I had a system that was working great and just kept on working through things, but kept this in the back of my mind and kind of started making some steps towards how I was going to start off with the podcast starting to look different. And it's interesting because though I stepped into some of those things, when God wants you to do something— or stop doing something, (laughs) sometimes he will make you so uncomfortable that you have no choice but to make a change. And that's what happened with the the show last year. And I know from the outset, none of this like came out at all, but behind the scenes, there were a lot of things that were shifting. One of the things, for example, is like I, for every episode, I would read the book. So if there was a guest on who was talking about their book, promoting their book, I read the entire book. And it was to make sure though that Number one, that the material was going to be really something that we would all connect with um, that would be relevant for our journey as single moms. But then there was this other part that was making sure that it was in alignment with the Word of God. And, you know, where I'm looking for red flags in dating, (laughs) I'm also looking for red flags as far as the content was concerned, you know. And so there were these times where I would read these books and sometimes I would get three quarters of the way through, and then I would determine, like, this is this is not a fit. And so where in the past I didn't really have that, um, it was I was very grateful in the outset that I didn't have that experience. It happened several times last year. And then on top of that, 
I started having cancellations and no-shows. And a lot of these were for really legitimate reasons, you know, as far as illnesses and not to say that there's not any other, like if somebody doesn't want to be on the show, that's a legitimate reason too. But most of them were for something that was unforeseen. But then circumstances would work in such a way that we wouldn't be able to reschedule. And then on top of that, a lot of where I was able to learn more about these books that were coming out and things like that were through publishers and relationships I had with public relations teams. And in the process, though, again, of the year unfolding, there just seemed to be less and less and less books that were coming out that really hit this journey, you know, of where you and I are at as single moms. And so you just saw, like, all of what was working stopped working. And it was just that inevitable of like, okay, we're going to get to the end of this year and then we're going to start something. You know, actually at the break, I was like, I still didn't know how this was going to look. And it's only been in the last several weeks that it's become a lot more clear to me. And I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited because I've been getting also though emails from you all, DMs, things, just that, just learning more about things that are on your mind, things that you're stepping through right now that there's not really a, you know, a book out there as far as this Christian single parent manual. There are many people who are experts in this space, um, and I've interviewed a lot of them. But when it comes to how do I handle this particular situation with my ex or my kids or my ex's family or, you know, some of these really complicated situations, there, there's just not a ton that's out there. And I'm not going to say at all that I am like the expert <laughs> when it comes to single parenting. I'm one single mom. I have a, a huge limitation there as far as my experiences and the things that I have learned and, you know, just the, all of the range of single mother experiences that are out there. But all that being said, I do have some experiences to share. I do have some things that God has been walking me through. And if I can share that with you and it helps if I can share that with you and you change it a little bit, if I share that with you and you're like, that does not work, that's not for me, <laughs> then fine. But I think it's really important for us to be able to just talk about some very, very specific things that might not be covered in a book somewhere that we can just connect together over what we're all walking through and see what God says, you know? So that's really what my heart is for the change in this season for the podcast. And I'm so grateful for you being along on the ride with me. And that brings us into our topic for today. And the topic for today is, this one's a doozy. <laughs> this is not one that was on my radar at all. This was something that God brought to me and in kind of a more roundabout sort of way. And we're gonna talk about today, how do you love your enemies? The way that I came to this Again, like I said, it was a roundabout. I actually last summer started having some health complications. I have some autoimmune conditions and started having these flare-ups and symptoms that were really unmanageable. And so I started going to the doctor and the doctor and the doctor and the doctor, like all of these different doctors to get all these tests run and scans and blood work and all these things. And there was really nothing that they could pinpoint. I mean, if you ask the doctors, they're looking at all of this stuff and going, mm, you look fine. And I'm like, I am not fine. <laughs> and I'm sure some of you have that experience where it's like, please do not tell me that I'm fine because I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm sick. And so with this all going on, 
I know, though, that we are a three-part being. The Bible says that we are a spirit with a soul in a body. And so anytime that we're going to be trying to deal with any part of ourselves, we really should actually think about it as a whole. We should look at these three parts. And so I knew, even if there is still some health thing that hasn't yet been uncovered as far as a physical Um, from the physical perspective, there's probably also though something spiritual or something emotional or both that I'm neglecting and I want God to make me aware of it. And so what I did was my church has this midweek, midday service. And so I take my lunch break and I go and it's just an hour where we pray and you can have people pray over you and worship and sing. And it's really just a, it's a nice way to recharge. It's kind of like all of when you, if you get like fed Sunday, it's like, oh man, I really needed a snack. You know, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's Wednesday <laughs> and we have already been through some things. And so I'm, I'm in this service though. And the thing you'll know, if you ever, if I ever come to your church, you know, and you see me worshiping, I am like this holy roller air traffic controller. It is like the hands are up, the hands are down, the hands are all around. <laughs> and so I'm worshiping though, and I'm really into it. I'm just you know, really fully in the moment. And I'm asking the Lord, like, Lord, if there's something you want me to know, you know, if I can partner with you in my healing, like just this very spiritual language that we do sometimes. And, you know, I'm, I'm there with hands lifted. And I feel the Lord say to me, you think your children won't be protected unless they're with you. And I'm telling you right at that moment, my hands went from straight up to straight down. I actually sat down sat my whole self down and just was like, I was dumbfounded because I wasn't expecting that. But I knew God was right. I knew He was right. But I didn't want to accept it either. And so while I knew God was right, like, yeah, I, I really do think it all is up to me. I didn't know how to change that. I was like, but God, <laughs> you know what I'm going through, but God, if I don't stand up for myself, who's going to? But God, if I don't set the record straight, how's it gonna, how is this gonna be worked out? Doesn't all of this fall on me? And so I knew the first part of this was God was trying to tell me, I am putting myself in the God seat when it comes to my kids, that my concern over what is happening to them when they are not in my care, and I know, you know, and I know that that means when they're with their dad or when they're with somebody else, that's not me. And this is a, a thing that I think all moms really have to wrestle with, but single moms specifically because they're out of our care. If you have a shared custody arrangement, they're out of our care a lot. And we don't always know what's going on, or we do know what's going on and we don't like it. And we want to have a say. And so God was telling me, hey, let me be God. Like, these are my kids. I care about them too. I care about them more than you do. But he was also putting an exclamation point on the way that I was dealing with my ex-husband at the time and the way that I was engaging in situations and conflicts and that where I really did genuinely believe I was doing the right thing. Sometimes we can be doing the right thing and not the righteous thing. So I walked out of that service and I, but I continued to argue with God, <laughs> you know, the whole rest of the day. I was just like, I don't, I don't even understand what you're trying to say to me. That night I had to make a target run. And so as I get into the, the parking lot and I pull into my stall right before I take the key out of the ignition, I'm listening to the radio and there's a clip from a sermon that comes on and it's about loving your enemies. And I was like, okay, okay, God, I know this is you. I know you have something to tell me. 
What is it? How do I love my enemies? How do we love our enemies? This is so hard to do. And I'm not going to say don't have boundaries. Have boundaries. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But how do we do that and love our enemies? Because the truth of the matter is we have enemies. We have people who have hurt us and people who are continuing to hurt us, people who are actively trying to do things to undermine us and to make us look bad, make us feel bad. Jesus said we're going to have enemies, so we don't have to feel guilty about that. <laughs> you know, if we're not so, like, there's nothing unspiritual about you if you have enemies. As a matter of fact, if you have enemies, I mean, we all do, but sometimes that's an indication of the strength of a relationship with God. But the point is, having enemies is something Jesus said was going to happen, but then he also said we needed to love them. And that's the tricky part because we don't really know what that means or what that's supposed to look like. And a lot of the times we're like, hey, but I have tried. I've tried being nice to this person. I have tried making sure that my texts are perfectly worded, that there's nothing in there that could be offensive, nothing in there that they could get mad at or use against me. I have a friend who reads my text to make sure that I don't overstep, that there's nothing too emotional. But yet it seems that no matter what, my texts come back in my face. Something gets thrown back in my face. Sometimes it may even be that, you know, you're like, hey, I've tried being nice to this person. I have bent myself into a pretzel to try to accommodate all of their requests, you know, whether that's to change pickup times or drop-off locations or pizza nights or whatever the case is. I've tried all that stuff. And then once I make the change, they want to change it again. And when I stand up for myself, then they get mad at me and say, oh, you just want everything your way. You're selfish and I can't work with you. You just don't want to work with me. So a lot of this is feeling like I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to love this person, but it's not working. And there's, a, there's this something very subtle in that phrase of it's not working that I'll get into in a second. But when it comes to loving our enemies, being nice actually is a problem. And I'm not saying to be mean to them, <laughs> but nice doesn't really change anything. Nice is something that we tell kids to be on the playground and it doesn't work on the playground and it doesn't work in real life. So if that is the case, if being nice is actually how I'm getting taken advantage of, if being nice is how I'm being treated like a doormat, how do I love my enemies? And I'm going to say something here that's going to sound really contradictory, and I'll explain it. But when it comes to loving your enemies, the key is kindness. Now, I know that sounds like I just completely <laughs> like contradicted myself that like, you just said nice doesn't work. You just said nice does nothing. But there's a huge difference between being nice and being kind. There's a huge difference. And I'll explain all of this to you. There's like, basically like five different areas where we can see the difference between being nice and being kind. And the first one is in that being nice actually comes from a position of weakness. So I want you to think for a moment, if you've seen Legally Blonde, I want you to think of Elle Wood's friend in that movie who is her nail technician. Her name is Paulette. And Paulette is nice. Paulette is the nice girl. Paulette is, is just trying to smile and and trying to get through by creating this good impression of herself. But Paulette is also getting run over by her ex. Paulette is also just being taken advantage of. And it's because nice 
comes from a position of weakness. Nice is something that we do when we're afraid of somebody. And sometimes this is something that we've had to learn growing up because we were in a situation that was unsafe or dangerous or scary. And so being nice was a way that we could perform to make sure that nothing, no, nothing harmful came back our way. That as long as we just did everything the way that it was supposed to be done, everything was going to be okay. But what happens is that's a signal to this other person, especially if they're a manipulative and hurtful person. That's a signal to them that you're not confident. That's a signal to them that they are actually the ones who are in control. And so that then ends up making us really vulnerable. But kindness, kindness comes from a position of strength. Kindness comes from a position of power and confidence. Kindness is where we know that I don't need to perform I don't need to behave in any certain way to be worthy of respect. But, and this is the next key difference, nice often is an attempt on our part to get somebody to change. We're hoping that if I set a good example, then you will meet me there. Then you will follow through with the same kind of behavior. And a lot of times we already know this, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, no matter what I might do for this other person, it's just not enough. And for a person who is unhealthy, especially a person who's a taker in a relationship, they'll just continue to take and take and take and take and they won't give anything back. And so while we keep stepping into this equation, hoping like, well, if I just keep doing the right things and eventually you'll change. And some of that is biblical. Sometimes, you know, there is a possibility that by my good example that you would change. That is in the Bible. But kindness understands that this person may not change. Kindness actually looks at a person's behavior from the past and says, you are probably going to do that again. <laughs> you know, that until further notice, I'm not expecting that you're going to change. I am just doing this because it's who I am. Because doing this thing changes me by doing the kind thing that I'm doing what's right, that I'm doing what's good for my relationship between me and the Lord. I'm doing what's good for my kids, even if it may be at a disadvantage or a discomfort to me. But I'm not doing it because I hope that you're going to return the favor or that you're going to change. I'm not doing it putting any trust in your hands. And that leads me to the next point of your power, what you are putting in their hands. That when we are nice to somebody, we're actually handing them our peace. And we're saying, would you take care of this? You know, if I'm, if I'm gonna be nice to you, I'm actually hoping then that you will do something that will make me feel good, that will make me feel okay, that will make me feel safe. But kindness is saying, I'm already all of those things. I'm already all of those things because of my relationship with God, that there are other people in my life that I go to for safety needs and to feel significant and part of a community and respected and loved and all of that. I'm not putting that in your hands. I'm not giving you that power at all. And I am stepping into this with my peace already intact. That whatever I give you is a gift that I am giving you, not needing anything back from you. And that means you can't take anything from me that I'm not already freely giving you. So if I'm choosing to be flexible with the schedule or whatever the situation might be, that's my choice. And I'm doing that because it's kind. I'm doing that because I'm trying to be workable, but I'm not expecting that you're going to give the same thing back to me. 
I'm not even expecting that you can. I'm accepting that this is the situation as it is. And that gives me a lot of peace. It's not maybe the way I want things to be. And I think that's hard because some of this is having to admit this is not where I want it to be, but it's accepting that it is where it is and that I'm going to do what is dependent on me, as Romans 12 says, to be at peace and bring that into this situation. And then that brings me to the next point here where if I'm at peace, I'm doing these things because it is good. I'm choosing what is good. And that's what love really is, is choosing what is actually maybe in somebody else's best interest. Even if it has a little bit of cost to me, even if it has a lot of cost to me, that's what love really is. Love is not a feeling. It's not a fondness. It is accepting this person as they are and choosing to do what is in their best interest. Now, this doesn't mean all of the time that it's going to go the way they want either. Nice, a lot of times, has us doing things that we don't want to do or maybe that we don't even think are right. But we think that by giving in, or we feel or we've experienced that by giving in, it makes this situation workable for a time. And so we're hoping that through this, we're going to get them to do something for us. But what we know is that when we're operating from kindness, we're doing this because it's, we're already in that place of peace with God. And so we're, that's just an outflow towards this other person. And really what we're doing is we're saying, God, I trust you to do something with this. I'm not trusting this other person. I'm trusting you, God, with whatever you want to do. And this is actually, we've done episodes in the past on forgiveness, and I'll do, I'll do more. But this is actually how we start to live out forgiveness. So where forgiveness is also a choice of saying, I am not going to retaliate against you, but I'm going to allow this to be now in God's hands. It's the same thing. It is saying, I am not going to retaliate against you, but I'm going to do the kind thing because I, I want God to do something with that. And it's not even just always for you. If I'm doing the kind thing, God is going to bless me too. I'm going to have peace. <laughs> I'm going to have wholeness. I'm going to have connectivity in my relationship with Him. And I want all of that. You're going to be blessed in being kind to this other person, right? And actually, this is not something that God is saying like, okay, now play nice together. And I'm just going to go, you know, back to like, <laughs> it's like your teacher is like, be nice. And then I'm going to go back to, you know, the, the play yard and observe these other kids. No, God is watching the whole thing that's happening the whole time. And he's saying, I'm the one who's going to deal with this. Also in Romans 12, further down, where it's talking about don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. All of these types of things. He's also saying in there that when you are kind to your enemies, you are heaping burning coals of shame on their head. <laughs> it literally says that. And so if there is this like raining hot shame that's coming down, when we're kind to somebody else, we're removing ourselves from that situation. And we're just letting God do what he's going to do. And through our kindness, God may actually change that person, but it's not me trying to be your savior. It's not me trying to be the one to take responsibility for you. But it is me not making that situation worse. And it is me setting the example and being Jesus in this situation. And when we talk about being Jesus, Jesus was kind. Jesus was not nice. If you look at Jesus flipping over tables and stuff like that, Jesus was not nice. <laughs> Jesus was kind though. And to people who were humble and who were repentant and remorseful, 
Jesus was gentle in giving them the truth. He still told them the truth, but he was gentle about it. But for people who were not remorseful, Jesus was direct. Jesus was clear. And I wish sometimes when we're reading the Bible that we knew exactly like what the tone of voice was. Sometimes from our own experiences, we end up layering on there things that, you know, we read these words of Jesus and we look at them as being said in a way that they were probably not said. But we know that Jesus was giving the truth in love, perfectly in love. He wanted for these people to see, even if he knew they wouldn't. He was God. He knew. He is God. He knows. He knows. But he still offers grace and truth together. And that's where the boundaries part comes in. And again, we'll talk about that in a second. It's grace and truth together. It's not all, I'm going to give you everything you want and hope that you won't use it against me and, and that you'll change. It is that plus the truth. And sometimes that means I have to tell you no. In love, I have to tell you no. Because if you get used to bending me up into a pretzel, it's actually going to be bad for my kids. It's bad for me. It's bad for my kids. And enabling you to do that is bad for you too. Because it's teaching you that disrespect is okay. <laughs> Taking advantage of somebody is okay. I can't let you do that if I care about you and I want you to, to flourish in your life. And then the last part of this, though, the difference between nice and kind is nice is of our own will. Nice is something that eventually we will fail. <laughs> eventually, you're going to try and try and try, and this person is not going to meet you at some point. And you're going to get so frustrated that what you're doing is not working. It's not making a change that you end up losing it. You end up saying something you didn't want to say. You end up getting angry you end up looking like the bad guy. And you've worked so hard to this point, and yet you are the bad guy. And what's worse is you know this is a situation where then this person has the upper hand again. And it's just this power thing that keeps going on. But when we're kind to somebody, kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, so if you think back to like Sunday school, <laughs> and we're learning all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't know if I missed one. I hope I didn't. <laughs> but kindness is in that list. Those fruits of the Holy Spirit are things that are an outflow of our relationship with God. So as I'm just walking with God every day, He's doing more and more of these things in me, and they're coming out of me. And the more that I learn to surrender my life and my habits and my way of doing things to him, the more that these more naturally come out. So my being kind to you is something that, yeah, I may still struggle. I may still, when I get this text, like really want to, to go call somebody up and be like, can you believe this? <laughs> but the kindness allows me to take that pause and go, Lord, how do, you, how do I need to deal with this? Lord, you know this is not right, what's happening right now. How, how would you see this, though? And then that's where we have the empowering not to react, not to just pop off and say the first thing that we think, you know, where we have the ability to take that pause, go back to that place of peace with the Lord, like be in His presence and just be like, God, I don't, I don't have this. <laughs> you know, I think right now that like a heap of hot shame sounds good. Like, I think that would really help this person out. <laughs> But it is knowing that 
I can't do it on my own. I have to have God in my life. I have to be close to Him. I have to be connected to Him in order for this to come across and to change me. And that's really the whole core of this is when we're being nice to somebody, we're hoping that it's going to change them. But kindness is allowing God to change us. It allows us to have that position of strength and that position of confidence that even if this person is going to continue to do things against us, that we don't feel vulnerable anymore. We know God's on our side. We know He's protecting us. And we know that this is something that we can continue to walk in no matter what this person's going to do. So we have the ability to separate ourselves out from some of this chaos, some of this power struggle, and just walk in the peace that is already ours. Okay, but I know. So now it's like, great, that all sounds wonderful. <laughs> I understand the difference between nice and kind. How do I love my enemies? How do I, how do I play this out? How do I actually do it? If you're like me, you've probably already seen so many red flags in your life that you could cut them up and make yourself a lovely evening gown out of them. I have wasted so much time and tears in unhealthy relationships, and mostly because I just didn't even understand red flags. And here's what I found out. Red flags aren't just for dating relationships. They are for all relationships. And what we don't know can really hurt us. With this in mind, Plus One Parents has created a class called Red Flags in Dating, What They Mean and How to Make Sure You Don't Miss Them. This is a single session class, and in this class, you'll discover why red flags even matter in the first place. You'll learn the obvious and the not-so-obvious signs of a person who is emotionally unavailable or abusive, and you'll also learn what you need to know instead to meet a godly match. You can actually start this class right now, today, when you join the Plus One Parents Collective All Access Membership. And you can do that by going over to plusoneparents.org. It's something that when we look at the differences between nice and kind, we understand that they might look the same on the outside. They might look like you're doing actually a lot of the same things, but the heart is what's different. And the heart is hard to change. <laughs> the heart is the part that is like... But God, like I said, you know, when I was bargaining with the Lord, like, but God, but you know, but you see. So how do I love my enemies? And as I said before, you have to have boundaries when you're doing this. This is not about don't have boundaries. This is not about be a doormat. I know Target has some great doormats. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> it's that one home sweet home one that like everybody has. This is not no boundaries. I want you to have boundaries. If something needs to be documented, document it. If something needs to be reported, if something illegal and dangerous is happening, report it. If you can't communicate with this person, like all these things I'm talking about with, you know, communicating the truth and love, if you can't do that without another person there for safety, if you need support, get support. Do all those things. But what this is about, though, is once you have those boundaries, and we will do an episode on boundaries, when you know where you stand, what you are okay with, what you are not okay with, then you have the ability to step more confidently into those situations and know where it is with gentleness that you need to communicate truth. 
But before you're able to do that, and this is the step I want to give you, this is the one thing, if we take away one thing for you that you can actually do today, whether this person is in your life or not in your life, whether this is a person you see regularly or don't see regularly, this is a, no matter where this person is in your zone, there is something that all of us can do today to start loving our enemies. And it's to pray for them. This also comes out of Romans 12. And in Romans 12, it says not to curse those who curse us. It says to bless those who curse us. It says to pray for those who hurt you. And I know <laughs> that praying for somebody who's hurt you is hard, especially when all of your conversations to this point with God about this person have either been change them, change them, change them, <laughs> or have been, but you see, God, but you see, this is not fair. You see, would you do something about this? It's hard to then change your conversation with God, to bring yourself into a humble place and say, I am not God. You are God. And you have told me that you actually want blessing for this person. And when I started doing this, it was like, Teach me how to pray blessing for somebody who's hurting me. Teach me how to do that. Teach me how to want that. And I think that's the first thing I want to say is like, it's okay if you don't feel aligned with this. This is not about the feelings. This is asking God to change the way I'm thinking, the way I'm talking to you, God, about this person. Because the heart will follow after that. We're going to be able to train the heart by renewing the mind. And so... By stepping into just that and having a different conversation with God about this person, that changes a whole lot about the way that you engage with them, the way you see them. And the one thing I will say that makes this a lot easier as far as what kind of blessing are we praying for? Ultimately, a person who is hurting you is also hurting and they're taking it out on you. They have learned that when I am feeling hurt or shame or when I need validation or whatever, the way that I do that is to go try to have control over or manipulate somebody else. And so the first thing that we can pray for is like, Lord, I pray that they would have healing. I pray that they would know you, that they would have a relationship with you in a way that they would not feel the need to do that to anybody anymore that they would have a closeness with you. And let's be honest, a lot of the enemies that we may have been dealing with in our lives, a lot of times, regardless of what they might say with their mouths, they actually are unbelieving. They don't believe in Jesus. And so when you know that praying for them to have a relationship with Jesus is important for their eternity and for their, their present life, and you see how impactful this is in the long run, it really does change the way that you engage with this person. Again, it is not that I'm going to be your savior. It is not that I'm going to show you single-handedly how, you know, Jesus is. It means I'm going to pray for you. I'll actually pray that somebody else would be a person who would step into your life and help you to see God. I'm just going to ask God to help me not be a roadblock. Sometimes that's the best that we can do, or that's the place where we start, is I don't want to be a roadblock to you meeting Jesus. So God, help me do that. 
And as we're praying for our enemies then, this is the thing that then is the outflow of the way that we engage with them. That I don't need anything from you. I actually see that maybe you don't have the thing to give me that I want. And maybe I actually have something to give you and I'm just going to give it to you. Right? All these things that we just talked about with the difference between nice and kind. That now that is something that I'm able to look at you as another human being. And that is a, it's a very difficult spot to get to, but you can get there. And it's, it is something that frees you in the long run. It really does. And I'll say again, as I, as I started praying through this, it was not easy at the outset, but it got easier and easier. And one of the things that God has been doing to continually change my heart with this is to show me people all through my life that have hurt me that I want to pray for now. And one of the interesting things, the way that he has done this, is that God and I have this thing where I look at the clock, you know, throughout the day, like everybody does to see what time it is. And a lot of times I will see the same time, day after day after day, multiple times in a week, I see the same times. And a lot of times these are somebody's birthday. And if it's a friend of mine, of course, I'm like, oh, Lord, Lucy needs a prayer. I'm praying for her. But a lot of the time, especially after I started praying, like really intentionally praying for my enemies, this is a person who's hurt me. But I see the birthday of a person who's hurt me. One day, it was literally every time I looked at the clock, it was another person who had hurt me. And I was like, whoa. And I kind of had this moment of like, Lord, this is exhausting. This is a lot of thinking back into these situations and reflecting. I've healed in a lot of these situations, but this is a lot. And I had this sense, though, of like, but what if that's the, the, one of the reasons that I, I brought you into their life is to pray for them, that I have a good relationship with God and where we do constantly bring our kids before the Lord and our friends and our family and the people that we love. He's called us to do that for our enemies too. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember you are seen and you are beloved. loved.